4: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured, not obligations of Navy
0: Federal and may lose value. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon Jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done.
3: Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, SmileActives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to SmileActives.com slash iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling.
0: Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking.
4: Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, Earth below us, drifting, falling, floating weightless, coming home. I'm
2: Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Volkelbaum.
1: I'm Joe McCormick.
4: Oh we get some uh, approval from Joe on that one.
1: Oh, no, usually I just scowl at you while you say song lyrics. Yeah, yeah, you
4: didn't like the last one at all. But today we're going to talk a little bit more about tractor beams. That's what we discussed in our last episode. But we wanted to get a little more wacky and crazy and talk about the science fiction side of Tractor Beans. Yeah,
2: because in case none of you could tell, we are all kind of fans of science fiction.
4: Yeah, we're, we're nerds. I'm not. You're, 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 <laughs> get out. Joe. Joe, watch, fired. Joe watches a lot of science fiction, but he does so begrudgingly with a <laughs> scowl upon his face and his fist clenched in furious anger.
1: Well, I hate pleasure and happiness.
4: Yeah, that's, that would be why. Uh... Yeah, no. Whereas I'm actually the son of a science fiction author, so I grew up around science fiction all my life. So it was bound to seep in one way or the other. I did not rebel against my science fiction upbringing, so I, it is definitely part of my personality. So let's uh, let's talk about uh, <laughs> tractor beams, guys. We
1: can see it come through in your your captain's chair persona.
4: Yeah, where I I, I <laughs> before every podcast I lean back and say engage bones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, now we're mixing up our our captains. You got, Goodness, you my got, gracious. You got Kirk on my Picard. Sorry. All right, uh, what so, is, where does this come from? Where does so, this concept come
2: from? Uh, possibly the very first reference to tractor beams in fiction was from um uh, something called the Skylark of Space.
1: Whoa, that sounds wonderful.
2: Uh, it was a space drama by E.E. E. Smith, um, originally serialized in 1928 and later published as a novel in 1946.
4: Wow, so uh back in the twenties we had this concept. So as far as you know, was the tractor beam something that was designed to immobilize or bring forth something, or was it just the first mention of a tractor beam?
2: I cannot personally speak to that as I have not read the story, but Nor have
4: you watched the serial?
2: What the watched the <laughs> serial? Yes. No or
4: heard the serial. Was it radio or was it Movie. It,
2: it, it, was, it was magazine published, oh, I believe. Oh, magazine
4: serial. Okay. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm thinking serialized because I'm thinking of the old oh, radio Oh, like
1: days. serialized as in like Charles Dickens serialized. Yeah,
4: yeah. Correct, so, yeah. So even more so.
1: Not yeah. like The Shadow.
4: I was getting a little too science fiction-y for it.
2: You were. Th- there were no theremins that I know of involved in this particular writing.
4: That would be another great podcast is theremins.
1: But okay, so... so wait a minute. What was that year? How early did we have tractor beams in fiction?
2: 1928. 19,
1: so, that's earlier than I would have thought.
4: But without having read the serial, obviously we can't... Can't be sure that the tractor beam in that is the same thing we think of in science fiction today. Probably was. Just seems like it's the kind of concept that would carry over into future uh, 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 incarnations in science fiction. Uh, so, yeah, th- this this whole notion of I'm in space – I've got this big old spacecraft that I'm in. Uh, there's something coming at me that I want to move out of the way and not necessarily blow up, or I want to bring it into my spacecraft. How do I do that? I capture it with energy, and then I pull it in using my tractor beam, which is really just shorthand for a magical thing that makes stuff behave the way I want it to.
1: Did you realize while you were talking there you almost for a second had a Scotty accent? Did I? Yeah, almost for a second. Well, I was Scotty. giving it all it she like, got. You capture um, it. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't. That was horrible.
4: I, I I can't do a Scotty accent, so I'm not even going to try.
1: Okay. Well, who was it that operated the Star Trek tractor Let's beam? Let's not get
4: it? into Star Trek. Okay. Yeah, sorry. We're move sorry. Into Star Trek. Yeah, I want to okay. talk about Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah, you've got some uh, info on Star Wars and tractor
1: beams, right? Well, Star Wars was the first place I ever heard about. A tractor beam. So you're talking
4: about uh, Star Wars Episode Four, A New Hope, right? The and one I, that was originally called Star Wars. Uh-huh. I
1: love how 1977. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the actual first one. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I loved how that they don't really explain what it is. Right. You, you just know?
4: you know it's something that the Millennium Falcon gets trapped We're in. We're caught right?
1: in a tractor beam. They're pulling us in.
4: Yeah, and it's it's the Death Star that has the Millennium Falcon in a tractor beam.
1: So yeah, they, they arrive. That's that's no moon. And then they get sucked into the docking bay, right? Um, turns out that the size of the Death Star that you see uh, sucking in the Millennium Falcon, and actually, I, before that, I think a Star Destroyer sucks in Princess Leia's ship too, doesn't it?
4: Well, you certainly see the Star Destroyer take the the Corellian freighter.
1: Mm-hmm. That is yeah. actually,
4: it's not a freighter; it's a Corellian. It's a Corellian a blockade runner. Yeah, actually, I think it's, I think they call it a Corvette. In that, it's a Corvette. <laughs> It is a blockade runner. They take that into the docking bay, but they don't actually say that it was caught in a, a tractor beam, I don't think.
1: Maybe maybe C-3PO does. I can't remember. Well, in any case, you're... You'd later be led to assume that, right? right? Right. Because obviously, I doubt that the ship just. Well, I'm going to go park up in this uh, other ship here. Or,
4: or that Seems other unlikely. ship. Yeah. Or the other ship is. Uh, we have exactly matched the trajectory and, uh-huh. and, and like they had a really speed. bad
1: pilot. You know? Yeah, we were
4: able to. We were <laughs> able to just scoop it up like it was a net for a fish.
1: Accidentally parallel parking in space. We're getting away from empire. that. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. It. Tractor beams. Um, well, I have. I was like, I wonder how. Uh, Star Wars fan because obviously the movies never explain. I wonder how right. Star Wars fans have explained how the tractor beams work, because uh, there's a lot of filling out of the technical. Uh,
4: canon. Sure. sure,
2: especially through through the the non-canon media of all of the video games the and books and, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. so
4: everything in Star Wars essentially gets explained away in the extended universe. Not just tractor beams, everything from uh, hyperspace to lightsabers to even how the Force works, which we got some more information on in episode one with the whole midichlorians thing but uh uh
1: yeah we don't need to go into that okay, okay. all right um <laughs> i have here a selection of crowdsourced wisdom from ye old wookiepedia
2: yeah Wikipedia,
4: wookiepedia mm-hmm. the star wars themed wiki
1: okay uh and this is the from their article on tractor beams okay. i'm going to read so in the star wars universe a tractor beam was a projected force field used by spaceports, planetary bases, space stations, and starships to effectively grasp and guide vessels to a safe, designated landing. They could also be used to forcibly capture enemy ships. The first Death Star was equipped with 768 tractor beam generators, enabling it to constrain ships such as the Millennium Falcon with ease. That's from the overview, and now I'm going to read the uh, technical description section. Please do. Okay. Technical description... A human being wrote this. Uh, <laughs> a tractor beam relied on the inertia of the craft it was based upon as compared to the craft being affected. Now, I think that's interesting. I'm going to come back to that in yeah. a
4: second. Okay.
1: Um, ships with high inertia, typically meaning high mass, could affect smaller vessels with little strain on their own propulsion. Capital ships could tractor small freighters, for example, but if a freighter attempted to... Uh, to tractor a capital ship, it would actually affect the smaller freighter's trajectory. Uh, for two ships of roughly equal size, the attraction was equal, but could be affected by the relative speeds of the two vessels.
4: Gotcha. So, so you're talking about mass and speed. You're really talking about momentum here.
1: Yeah. And so if the momentum of one body is greater
4: than the other, then the tractor beam would uh, be would affect the smaller, the less massive, less fast of the two objects more than the the other one.
2: So it's kind of, it's kind of talking almost about like a, about like a controlled orbit effect.
4: Almost. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Cause I mean like now it makes sense cause you've got the death star, you've got the, which has an enormous mass to the point where it could be mistaken for a, a moon, uh, And then you had the Millennium Falcon, which was a freighter ship and obviously much smaller. So even though the Millennium Falcon might be able to move through space far faster than the Death Star could, I don't know. Never saw the Death Star's specs on how fast it can make the kessel run. Well well Uh, we
1: know the Death Star moved around pretty fast because it traveled between systems, right? It's like well we gotta go to this other system to blow up the force. Well it could go into into
2: hyperdrive. Hyperspace. Hyperspace. Yeah. Probably.
4: Yeah. 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 But even so, you're you're still you know, you still don't know how fast it can go compared to the Millennium Falcon, which as a hunk yet. of junk yeah. in the galaxy. I yeah. mean, that's what they've they established that, this well, canon.
1: I I, <laughs> I somewhat appreciate this technical description from Wikipedia uh-huh. because honestly I'd never thought before about how uh the tractor beam as depicted in fiction would affect the the, the ship that was putting out the beam. Right, right. But Th- that actually makes sense to me. Now, especially if we imagine it as something like gravity, right? Because gravity is a force that we believe to be exerted by anything that has mass. Sure. Um, yeah. And so, you know, when you're at, uh, you know, 5,000 feet and you're falling towards the Earth, you're getting attracted to the Earth's gravity. But the Earth is also getting attracted to your gravity, Yeah. right? You're both exerting a force on each other. It's just that you're so much smaller. It doesn't really matter to the Earth. And the same thing is going on here with the Millennium Falcon and the Death Star.
4: Yeah, the, the gravity is, the relationship of gravity is between two bodies, uh, their masses and the distance between them. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's basically what you have to be concerned with with gravity. So yeah, I think that this, this kind of, Makes sense in a in a, a roundabout way. I mean, obviously, they still don't explain how the force field is actually generated. Oh, right, what right. The they're, force yeah, they're is.
2: talking about some kind of mechanism that's creating a a focus for this. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, and so uh, that's kind of the magical placeholder, right? It's and to be fair, Star Wars is more magic. It's than more fantasy science. than yeah. science fiction. It's 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 fantasy that's set in outer space, but it's really more. I I know a lot of science fiction fans who would argue that that Star Wars is really a fantasy film. And it doesn't, you know, they're, they're helped by the fact that George Lucas himself has referred to it in very, uh, fantasy oriented ways, like calling a lightsaber a magic sword. Uh, you know, kind of, all well, that's, that's, that's very much is. a fantasy yep. trope, mm-hmm. so. Uh,
1: I agree with that interpretation. I mean, the technology in Star Wars is more like magic than science. Right. But I, uh, I also, I appreciate this filling out because I think this is actually a pretty clever Qualification to add to the technical view of how a tractor beam would work.
4: Uh, yeah, I, I think Lucas apologists are some of the most intelligent people when it comes to justifying <laughs> very weird decisions that Lucas made when it comes to the Star Wars franchise.
2: That was that was harsh, but probably true. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's also, I, it's, I'm, it's, a, I'm, a,
4: I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I do this mainly because i I like to I like to ruffle he, feathers. He, he
2: kids because he cares. I do. Um, uh, I, well also also it's interesting because in in the Star Wars universe you don't see a physical like a a physical a, a you don't see a beam uh, of light yeah, reaching no, out of the ship the way that you right, do visible. in say Star Trek right right right
1: and so this might be a good time to just do a quick reminder on what we talked about in our last podcast which is that so we actually have made some tractor beam like uh, setups in a few lab conditions, but they all involve light, don't
4: they? They involve light and they involve objects that are on the nano or micro scale. So far, far smaller than what you would see in one of these movies.
1: Yeah. And also, as we discussed in the last podcast, if you were to scale up one of these uh, laser tractor beams, it would almost certainly destroy the target. Right. Yeah, you you would would blow up
4: Alderaan, not move Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Um,
4: yeah, and maybe
1: that's maybe the Death Star was just malfunctioning, like it was trying to give Alderaan a hug. So that's what, that's
4: hard, what yeah. Lauren said in the last podcast, and I did point out that Grand Moff Tarkin was very clear as to what the Death Star was <laughs> meant to do. I didn't think that he was a man to be taken lightly. He was not someone who would just like J.K.
2: He was just no. Joshness.
4: Yeah, sure. Well, all right. But so he we looks talked about so Wars.
1: sweet. <laughs> we
4: talked we talked about Star Wars and the fact that that is more or less a fantasy. Let's talk about something that's. At least, uh, usually lumped more into the category of science fiction. And even
1: geekier than Star Wars. Well,
2: that's, that's a...
4: it's a tough argument to make, but we're talking Star Trek now. So, uh... Lauren, I know you had some info on Star Trek and its first use of the, uh, the the term tractor beam.
2: Yeah, the first time that Star Trek used it was in the original series and in episode 24, Space Seed.
4: Okay, so Space Seed.
2: Khan. Oh, and, and, and this, 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 ah, this was in 1967.
4: So Space Seed is the episode where they introduce the character of Khan, who uh, is one of several um, former... Warriors turned convicts who had been put into uh, cryogenic stasis and
1: then shot into space. Wouldn't he like some evil eugenics experiment or something? The
4: idea was that there were it was in the eugenics wars, and they created this this sort of uh, genetically modified race of superior human beings to act as warriors, and then the warriors did their job so well as to go on to attempt to conquer large portions of Earth. So. The the uh everyone else said, you know, this was a great idea for its time, but uh, that time is past. So let's uh, zap them into sleep and then push them off into space, which is what they did. And so they put them in a ship called the Botany Bay.
1: That's the kind of thing that could only happen in the setup for a later episode. <laughs> it also, like, it, also, it be, a terrible well, I mean, plan. Uh, Why was would was,
4: you do that? It was also yeah, we'll to take, never
1: hear from them again. <laughs> it was also
4: supposed to take place in the '90s, and I think you could easily imagine in the '90s we'd say, let's just shoot them into space. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Spoiler alert, that did not actually happen in the 90s, uh, for those of you who weren't paying attention. <laughs> anyway, uh, so they the Botany Bay gets shot off into space. The Enterprise comes across the Botany Bay uh, spacecraft and then decides to check it out. I mean, they're, they're all about exploration and finding out what is this mysterious spacecraft that's out here.
1: Do they use a tractor beam? They
4: do. They do use the tractor beam in order for them to be able to get access to the ship and then find out what it is that's aboard it. And uh, that's when they find out that it's Khan and his people. And then Khan attempts to take over the Enterprise uh, quite effectively at first. But he's not very good at three-dimensional thinking, as is later uh, explored in the fantastic movie Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. And so, ultimately, Kirk and his crew end up stranding Khan on uh, SETI Alpha 5, which uh, was originally a lush planet filled with life. But that changed dramatically between the the uh, the time of Space Seed and Star
1: Trek Two.
2: Uh, maybe Khan ruined everything. Um, yeah. Really, but, um, really, it was
4: setting off a of six that ruined
1: everything. But it had yeah. those horrible ear monsters that yeah. th- those
4: were not really prevalent until Star Trek Two. This is okay. all explained. Okay. Early okay, on sorry, in Star sorry. Trek Two, you just Lawrence, paying so
2: attention. tractor beams. Yeah. Uh, the the way. The way- the way that uh, Star Trek explains tractor beams is that they are uh, graviton force beams. Interesting. Gravitons, of course, being the hypothetical particle that um, that explains why gravity works mathematically.
4: Now, so am I right in thinking that at, at least I, I want to say that in Star Trek, the episodes I've watched – a tractor beam was represented by a beam of uh, visible light, like yeah, you saw some like, glowy stuff, like blue, stuff.
2: blue glowy light, or etc. is
4: odd when you think that it's gravitons, which are obviously not visible because we haven't seen them.
2: Maybe, <laughs> maybe they are maybe they reverse the polarity oh, of the gravitons. Of course, they reverse the polarity. <laughs> oh, of so the- yeah,
4: they've got that. Re- <laughs> I don't know why they don't just build a switch on the console that just says reverse the polarity because that was always the number one thing they needed to do, especially I, if the Borg were involved.
1: I wonder what happens if you rotate the polarity 90 degrees. Yeah, instead I mean, of just reversing it. Yeah, I mean, why, what are you going to
4: yeah, do? Yeah, you're just getting to Maybe it would only work halfway then. But, uh, yeah, it is odd that there was a visible um, effect there because uh, – Gravitons are not visible. If they were visible, we would know if they actually exist instead of just hypothetically exist. Right. Now, like like you were saying, Lauren, they they hypothetically exist in the sense that when you start working out the math for the way gravity behaves – then it's kind of, again, like a mathematic placeholder as opposed to, you know, this we need to have something here to explain how we fix this this problem that we would face if we were actually in this situation. Uh, Mathematicians, physicists, scientists, they actually do use placeholders to represent a an unknown quantity that must behave a certain way in order for stuff to behave the way we understand it to behave. Keeping in mind that we may our understanding may be faulty. So it may turn out that there isn't any sort, such thing as a graviton. It may be that we just fundamentally misunderstand the nature of gravity. But right. based upon our understanding, this sort of hypothetical particle would be the, the agent through which gravity is, is working.
2: Right, right. Well, we, we have detected um, gravitational waves, which are um, ripples in space-time, uh, moving, moving at the speed of light that are caused by objects, especially objects of great mass. And, um and so yeah so, so gravitons are the kind of logical
4: yeah it's kind of like what we would think of as photons with light right sure these are the the, the fundamental particle mm-hmm. that would it's, be it's the predicted agent for it's
2: that. predicted by by Einstein's theory of relativity so huh.
4: so if we are able to ever actually detect and furthermore manipulate these then something like a graviton based tractor beam
1: could be completely possible here's something interesting that I thought of just based on what you said. So if you did have a graviton based tractor beam, there would be some limitations on at what speed it could act. Right. Um, sure. We don't we never get a very good sense or at least I don't. Maybe you all will disagree from the movies and, and other sci fi. Uh, of exactly what the range of a tractor beam is. and it, it'll It's kind be, of whatever it needs yeah, to be. I mean, in,
2: yeah. in, in the cases, plot yeah, if, if the ship needs to get away, then it gets away. And if it doesn't, then... Yeah.
1: Right. So you've got, say, the Millennium Falcon is as far away from the Death Star as we are from Mars or something like that. Right. If the action of a tractor beam moves at the speed of light, it might take, what, 14 minutes... For the beam to reach the Falcon and start pulling
4: it, actually, uh, depending upon where Earth is in its orbit and where Mars—that's is right. In I'm its orbit. talking about a, a hypothetical. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so you're talking about the distance, uh, the same distance that would have been between Earth and Mars when the Curiosity rover landed.
1: Right. Yeah. Oh, right. That's where that number comes from. Right.
4: Right. Because that changes. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. A gravity beam would only behave as fast as the. I guess it would propagate at the speed of light. It wouldn't be instantaneous. Now, in most of these cases, if the – And would it weaken
1: as it went on also? that's Yeah, that's another, another
4: good question. Now, if it didn't weaken, then would that just mean that you'd have to pour increasing amounts of energy into the beam in order for it to have a strong enough effect? I mean like how do you manipulate the gravity in the first place so that you can create – more gravity at wherever the tractor beam is coming out from without crushing everything that's inside the ship. Like, how do you direct the gravity so it's actually pulling another object toward it, not just increasing the gravity everywhere within that area so Mm -hmm. that, you know, you suddenly have Vulcan paste inside the Enterprise?
2: Well, the the, the actual research that was done, and a lot of it, interestingly, was done in the 1960s, just a couple years before Star Trek, the original series, was being filmed, um, was involving the vibration of piezoelectric crystals to to detect and um, attempt to manipulate these particles.
4: Well, that's interesting, though. I mean, I'm, I'm very, I'm really curious. Like, I wish I, this is one of those moments where I wish I could jump into the future, like 150 years, just to see if we ever figured out this graviton thing and whether or not we could actually manipulate it in any meaningful way. Because uh, it's really hard for me to wrap my head around it. But then again, we're talking about a part of uh, a physics that has confounded some of the most intelligent physicists out there, let alone some idiot who has a podcast. So I mean, it's uh, obviously, I'm not surprised that it's confounded me. I I just I want to see what the end result is very, very much because I, I it would be an incredibly useful tool. It's just really hard for me to imagine how it would work. Then again, I don't think I would have imagined the actual tractor beams we talked about in our last podcast.
2: I kind of still can't imagine them. Honestly, I've read a whole bunch about them. And, and I'm like, well, sure, that makes sense on a quantum physics kind of Everything is so big, sort of. I, you know, just eventually I start yeah. going all two thousand one and not really understanding where I live anymore.
4: Whenever things get really small or really big, that's when it starts to blow my mind. You know, I, I, I can deal with the macro scale fairly well, but once you get beyond that, it's in either direction. If you go cosmological or or quantum, I, I need, I need to take a break and have some fruit juice.
1: That's when it's time <laughs> to put on Genesis and lay down in the beanbag chair and just think about the universe groovy <laughs> all right well
4: i think that wraps up our discussion about about tractor beams and uh now we're gonna go listen to some wait wait genesis genesis yeah, yeah. but what era genesis are you oh talking? like
1: early genesis so you're talking like okay. like the weird stuff
4: <laughs> so so you're, okay all right then we're cool we're cool i was just making sure that we weren't talking like late genesis
1: what sense would that make in in, in context of a beanbag chair in the universe
2: and just all Jonathan is saying is that we already fired you last episode. We don't want to have to fire you again. <laughs> yeah,
1: fair point. All right. So,
4: uh, guys, if you have any suggestions for future episodes like you think these these wackadoodles need to tackle some ridiculous science fiction, I just want to hear them talk about Firefly for like 30 minutes. Let us know. We'll do that. Um, you can email us. Our address is discovery.com or go to FWThinking.com. That's where we have the blogs, the podcasts. We've got links to our social media. Get involved. Get, be part of this conversation. Let us know what you think, what has you excited about the future. We are excited to hear from you, and we will talk to you again really
0: soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places.
2: Or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're at a place you just
3: discovered. And being an American Express Platinum Card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Oh, Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at AmericanExpress.com
0: slash with Amex. Terms apply. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon Jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done.
3: Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures.